This is Barry Zelma, Zelma on Insurance. I'm an attorney who has retired from the practice of law and now spend my time as an insurance claims and ins consultant and insurance expert witness, an author and producer of these videos. Today I'd like to talk about various ways that there are damages caused by construction defects of various types and how insurance deals with those defects. First, let's talk about water intrusion. Structures, whether residential or commercial, are expected to be watertight. The only water that should enter a structure is that which serves domestic water needs for baths, sinks, toilets, washing, machines, dishwashers, and other water-using appliances. Damages from water intrusion can range from a simple cosmetic fix, repainting of walls or ceiling, to total destruction of a structure. The types of damage from water intrusion that could result in a construction defect suit include stained walls, ceilings, or floors, destroyed wall coverings, destroyed floor coverings, warped walls, warped wood floors, cracking, settling, or weakness in foundations, settling of portions of the structure, cracking of concrete flatwork, slabs, sidewalks, etc., wet or dry rot of wood members, mold infestation, the sick building syndrome, bodily injury or illness to the occupants of a structure, or destruction of contents or equipment in a structure. In Nevada, a group of homeowners asserted that their homes were built with defective framing that was responsible for extensive water damage from rain and snow. As a result, they sought recovery based upon warranty and tort theories. In Minnesota, a construction defect case involving water intrusion that was discovered two years before filing suit was barred by the Minnesota Statute of Limitations by the Court of Appeal, but reversed by the Supreme Court that found that the Statute of Limitations begins to run when the homeowner discovers or should have discovered the builder's refusal or inability to ensure the home is free from major construction defects. The court stated that they also consider whether the definition of major construction defect is the statutory new home warranty that extends to actual damage to load-bearing portions of the dwelling occurring after the completion of construction. The court held that it does, subject to the specifically enumerated exclusions and exceptions in various insurance policies. In California, the statute of limitations can be told that is held in abeyance while the defendants attempt to make repairs. In one case, however, a condominium association ignored a patent deficiency for many years and the court found that the association should have discovered the deficiency more than three years before the filing of its suit. There are many ways that water can get into a home. Plumbing defects, insufficient overhang on a roof, 
wrong materials for a geographic region, that is, such as stucco in a wet climate, defective air conditioning, leaky windows, leaky doors, insufficient flashing, inferior quality of wood, defective repair of plumbing, defective installation of a shower pan, the wrong mix of concrete, defective engineering design, surface water intrusion, and lack of waterproofing can all attribute to water intrusion in a structure. Plumbing defects can involve inadequate components or neglect to install necessary parts for proper functioning. Defects in involving inadequate shower or bath installations can include the following. Tile installed over water-resistant gypsum board, that is green board, some, it's called sometimes, instead of a mortar-setting bed or cementitious backer board. Edge of green board above the tub or shower pan lip is a cut edge instead of a wrapped factor edge. Joints and penetrations are not sealed with a coat of ceramic tile mastic prior to tile installation. Insufficient gap between the base of the green board and the tub or shower pan and or neglecting to use a flexible sealant joint at the tile to tub or shower pan juncture. When a property owner knows of a defect in his or her property and fails to warn a guest of that defect, the property owner can be liable for any injury suffered. In one case, the property owner knew that as a result of a plumbing problem, the slab foundation was raised where it had been dug out and replaced to repair the plumbing. The plaintiff tripped and fell over the defective floor remaining from the plumbing repair and was injured, and the homeowner was found responsible. Water supply lines that have inadequate or missing pressure relief or control valves are considered defective. Pipes must also be of adequate size to carry expected volumes in a structure. In a Connecticut case involving plumbing defects, a water pipe burst in a rented office directly above computer equipment, destroying the equipment below. The tenant sued the landlord for the damage. The law was found to be fairly well settled in Connecticut and other states that when a landlord maintains control of any portion of a rented building, the landlord owes the tenant the duty to take responsible care to keep that portion reasonably safe. Property owners have a responsibility to their tenants for damages to property caused by defective plumbing. Reversing the trial court's grant of summary judgment the Second Circuit Court of Appeal found sufficient evidence for liability of a property owner and reasoned, quote, the plaintiff, prodigy, has produced evidence that the pipes in the building were over 30 years old and that six other similar leaks occurred in the building prior to the leak in question. An engineering report described the pipe from which the leak occurred as one inch in diameter. Prodigy has characterized the point from which the water leaked 
as pinhole sized. The report issued by the maintenance staff after the leak indicated that roughly 1,000 gallons of water escaped from the leak prior to its discovery. Given the generally poor condition of the pipes throughout the building, which might suggest a need to check for leaks on a regular basis, we believe a jury could conclude that a reasonable inspection would have revealed the leak much earlier. Close quote. This is uh, Prodigy Services versus South Bend Associates, a 1995 decision of the Second Circuit. In Arizona, sellers are obligated to disclose the existence of defective plumbing as a latent defect known to the seller in any purchase transaction, even if there is an as-is clause in the purchase agreement. In Louisiana, the five-year warranty period applicable to major structural defects under the state's New Home Warranty Act applied to purchasers' claims against a builder instead of the two-year warranty period for plumbing defects given that the alleged defect was the failing foundation, which was a major structural defect, and the plumbing repairs were a consequence or resulting damages from that defect. Liability for defective plumbing is not unlimited. In a case brought under the Racketeer-Influenced and Corrupt Organizations, or RICO law, the plaintiffs owned properties in which polybutylene, PB, plumbing systems were installed. In the 1970s, Shell Oil Company purchased the exclusive right to sell PB in the U.S. for a 10-year period. Shell then sold PB resin pellets to pipe extruders such as Vanguard and Bow, who made tubing from the pellets. The plaintiffs contend that the defendants manufactured and marketed these systems and components through a complex scheme to defraud. They allege that the defendants made knowingly false claims in marketing PB, including assertions that 1. It is suitable for use as a hot and cold potable water plumbing system. 2. It will last 50 years. 3. It will not corrode. 4. It is easy, reliable, simple, proven, and fast. And 5. It will not occasion serious service problems. The Fifth Circuit refused to apply RICO to the complaint, regardless of the defective nature of PB, and concluded, quote, In sum, when civil RICO damages are sought for injuries resulting from fraud, a general requirement of reliance by the plaintiff is a common-sense liability limitation. To hold otherwise would allow the threat of treble damages and attorney's fees to infiltrate garden-variety products liability cases where, whenever marketing promotions touted the merits of the products, even if no plaintiff relied on those representations. This is not a statement of our policy choice. We are not persuaded that by its by reason of phrase, Congress intended such a federalization and escalation of the state's laws of product liability, laws that have hardly been proved to be anemic 
in their common law use of economic incentives to, dis to achieve desired social goals. The threshold reliance requirement is determinative in this case, and we need not and do not reach other issues raised by the defendants. Close quote. This is a case called Summit Properties. The plaintiffs in this case were unsatisfied with the compensatory damages and attempted to get treble damages under a penalty statute. The penalty statute will allow treble damages in cases of fraud. The plaintiffs did not have a direct relationship with the supplier and could not prove all of the elements of fraud needed for additional damages. The final decision did not prevent the plaintiffs from bringing an action against the manufacturers, distributors, and installers for their actual damages. Damages for leaking and defective PB were allowed when damage was shown. This video was adapted from my book, Construction Defects and Insurance, Volume 2 which is available as both a Kindle book and as a paperback from Amazon.com and from Zalma.com by clicking on the Insurance Claims Library. If you found this video to be interesting or of use to you, please refer it to your colleagues. It's free. And please also subscribe to my YouTube channel, my Rumble channel, and my blog so that you can be advised of future blog posts and videos. Thank you for your attention.